Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed perspective. Your hosts today, amen, bring it on. Your hosts today are Justin Purdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm John Moffat. I'm the pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Yeah, Those of you are. that don't know, that's just south of Nashville. We are coming in hot. We have only done this one other time. We do it when we feel necessary. We add to our work because we like to do that. We're coming in with a hot topic today. Might be the hottest topic we've had since we started Theocast. Justin, are we going to be able to even do this within 30 minutes? This is going to be tough. We're going to have to try our best, but it's a spicy one today and very relevant. We're going to give it our best shot to keep it within 30 minutes. For our own sakes and for the sake of the listeners out there, we will exercise restraint and self-control. So we're going to talk politics today. Yes, we said it. We're going to talk politics today. Oh, no. So, And we're not going to be punchy and snarky. I mean, we're going to try not to be punchy and snarky about this. Uh, In all sincerity, in all sincerity, this is a tumultuous season in the life of the United States. There is a lot of division that exists in our land and our society broadly. And I'll go ahead and say I've observed uh, quite a bit of division in the church as it pertains to the upcoming general election next Tuesday. And uh, there's a lot of of passion. Uh, There's sincere disagreement. But then there's also a lot of vinegar and vitriol that mm-hmm. uh, that's permeating this entire conversation, and so yep. I've written I've written a little piece on this just with some of my own thoughts on on politics and voting and all those things, and we sort of spur of the moment decided to record this episode, and so we hope that that this is helpful. Some of some of this, John, I'm, I've trust it's okay to say this. If not, I guess we'll edit it out. Um, some of this has been prompted by things that pastors and evangelical leaders have said um, right. with respect to the vote next Tuesday and how Christians should vote, or mm-hmm. in some cases, how Christians must vote if they are going to be right. faithful to Jesus and if they are going right. to remain <clears throat> orthodox. And so we want to kick this around and and have this conversation with some of that in view as the backdrop. Yeah. We've received a lot of questions uh, through email and social media asking us to respond uh, to different statements that have been made. And we, um, be honest with you, the only reason probably we haven't done this yet is um, a matter of time, just issues of sure. trying to figure out when we would do to do that. And so we decided well, to to do that this morning. Yeah. And I mean, I think this is one of those episodes where it's not that I feel anxious about it necessarily, but I realize that there are going to be some people, and I don't necessarily mean this for our, for our listeners, but there may be some people that come across this depending on how much it's shared and recommended or whatever. I trust there are going to be some people who hear us who on the one side are going to think that we have not said nearly enough, you know, and there are going to be others that think we have said far too much. And I trust that there are going to be plenty of people who disagree with us, and that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. We are we are aiming to hold the line biblically, and we are aiming to continue, like as we do in all things, to try to point Christians to Jesus 
and to the unity that we have in him and the rest that we have yeah. in him. And we're aiming to keep the main things, the main things. And I know that you and I do that as pastors in our own congregations, and we're effectively doing that behind the mic today. So before, before we get into maybe more of the um, specific comments about all these matters, I want to make a right. couple of disclaimers. Okay, So okay. I, I don't want people to assume wrongly uh, anything about what we're going to say. So it's not the, the things that we're going to say are not being said because John or I think it doesn't matter how we vote. That's not what we think at all. I think it's important that we all as citizens of the United States would steward our civic duty well. How we vote has consequences on our land and on our society. So let's just go ahead and say that. I think you agree with that. I agree with that. I agree. Yeah. And the, the next thing that I'm going to say, and John, again, you can agree or disagree. I, I am not in any of the comments that I'm making aiming to communicate that I think that any kind of vote for any kind of candidate, that they are all just morally equivalent. That to vote this way or vote this way is morally equivalent in my own mind as a man, as a Christian, as a citizen. I don't think that. And people that know me well will, will know that I have strong opinions about a lot of stuff, and that would include politics. And I have a number of reasons for why I think what I do politically. And all this to say, um, with that, I mean, maybe just phrase it. With that being said, that I have strong opinions, I take great pains as a pastor to not share and make public my own personal opinions about politics because That's I right. think that I would very quickly, as a leader, abuse my authority that God has given me and effectively tell my congregation how they should vote. You know, if, if not explicitly, implicitly, right? If I made my own views known, they could hear me say these things and think, well, you know, I should follow my pastor and vote the way that he does. And I right. would never want that to happen because that would be an no. overreach and an abuse of my pastoral authority. So um, yeah. just want to share those things from the get-go. It, it matters how we vote. And it's not that John and I think that this vote versus this vote, that there's just moral equivalency, but we are going to contend for what we think is central and most important when it comes to election season or any time. And that's the unity that we have in Christ in the church. Absolutely. I mean, even in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells the congregation to imitate your elder, your leaders, but imitate them in their faith. And I would say in my congregation in the last uh, few months, because of the texts that we've been covering, I have made some political statements, but <laughs> it had everything to do with how they should, one, pray and care for their relationship to the government and what is the believer's relationship to the government. That is the one thing scripture is very clear on as far as Romans 13, the way in which that we are to submit and live peaceably with um, those who are govern us, the purpose of the government, the government mm -hmm. is controlled by God, not by man. Uh, but I would never find scripture telling me anywhere. I think in you might be able to see some kind of an obscure, which I haven't been able to see, but some obscure passage where you could argue that we as shepherds should be dictating how someone should cast their vote in a non-church function, which is a governmental function. But I just, I, I don't, I don't see it in scripture. So today's conversation is really around the, around your role as a believer, as it relates to 
your your role as in in two different kingdoms. You have the kingdom of Christ, yeah. and then you have your earthly kingdom. And the how yeah. often what's going on right now is we're mixing the two. Yes, and not only are we mixing yes. the two kingdoms, we're mixing the law and the gospel as well. When someone makes a statement, so Justin, we can go ahead and just jump in if you're okay with it. When someone makes the statement or the claim that if you vote for any other candidate than one particular candidate, then you are not upholding the Christian faith. That is that is so far from the biblical text that, I mean, it's it's rightly disturbing, to be honest with you, because you are now making the you're now making the Christian standard. In other words, um, if, if if you don't hold this position, you are no longer being faithful to follow Christ as a true disciple. And that is a yeah. very, very strong statement to make that you better be able to back up from Scripture. Yeah, I think we've sort of buried the lead for about seven or eight minutes, and you, you're you getting yeah. us into it now. My biggest concern is that in the minds of of many people, and, and by this I'm meaning Christians, because we're, we're speaking to the church here broadly, in the minds of many Christians, it seems that one's standing in the Lord Jesus should be called into question depending upon how they vote on November the 3rd. And this can flow both directions. I mean, I, I, mean, I think in, in the church, I mean, some are aware of the comments that have been made, and, but it, and, it, and it's kind of tending to flow predominantly in one direction, but it could flow in both. Like, I, I want to be really clear right. that um, there, are, there are Christians who are going to hold very strong convictions, and those convictions are going to be based upon things they see in Scripture, you know, in terms of this, this is where I'm coming from. I think that um, as Christians, we should pursue justice. Right, I mean that's not optional. I mean we we should pursue justice, but here's the issue: we may very well have sincere disagreements at the level of execution, at the level of practicality, and at the level of public policy as to how we should best pursue justice in a society. Right, and so both directions politically, you could have people that that take issue, you know, with with anything from abortion to you know issues of social justice and look at the other side and say well if you are a christian and you care about these things that the bible clearly articulates the sanctity of human life the fact that we should care for the oppressed and the needy and the marginalized if you don't vote this way or this way then how can you claim christ that's the rhetoric that exists right now even in the in the public square of the church, you know, and on right. Christian social media. And it's mm-hmm. it's very concerning. And the reason for that is that I do not know of a church or a confession of faith historically that would make voting choice a test of Christian orthodoxy. No. And I'm using that language, I'm trying historically, to be precise. Here. There's no way. A a church or a confession that historically would elevate voting choice to being a test of Christian orthodoxy or fidelity to Jesus. So when you hear people say that you must vote this way in order to, like if you're a Christian, you have to vote this way. And if you don't vote this way, you're standing in the Lord Jesus. The legitimacy of your faith and your profession should be called into question. What we are saying is that if you cast a particular kind of vote on November 3rd, you are in clear, demonstrable, unrepentant sin and you should face church discipline. That's that's right. 
That's what we would be effectively saying. And I do not know of a church or a confession in the history of Christianity that would have ever elevated voting choice to that level. And the reason I say voting, I want, I want you to be able to riff on this too, John, but let me just clarify. I want to add the second piece of this. Mm-hmm. So the reason I use the language of voting choice is because that, that is a prudence, wisdom decision. It's a wisdom call in terms of how to best execute justice in the land. That's what we do when we vote. Underneath that vote is or are a number of convictions, and convictions are what matter biblically, right? We may disagree, John, at the level of wisdom in terms of how to implement or execute something. That's right. But where we can't, where we can't disagree as Christians is at the level of conviction. And what I mean here is convictions are, are the issue. So, for example, to believe that abortion is good is sin. Okay, I mean that, that's clear. To that's right. believe that that homosexuality is good is sin. To disbelieve that God has made us male and female on purpose is sin. To believe that racism is good is sin. To believe that we should not worry about the poor or the needy or the oppressed is sin. So that's where Christians must agree, right? If and I want to be very clear: if somebody were advocating for anything that I just said actively, publicly advocating for any of the things that I just described, that would be a matter of church discipline in the church I pastor. Absolutely. But that conviction level is different than a voting decision. We have now moved in the voting decision piece. We have now moved from the area of conviction to wisdom. Mm -hmm. And that matters. That's true. It does. And the application of wisdom is, is, is a conscious issue because there is differing Mm -hmm. opinions on how to handle some of these issues. And this exactly. is where we have to say that perspective, knowledge, history, background, how people receive information, process information. I honestly think if someone says, I believe these things are wrong, but I'm going to make my decisions based upon, I think this is the best choice I can make given the information that's been handed to me. Yeah. For instance, listen, some people are really against homosexuality or, I mean, there's a lot of sin that goes on and there are companies who promote these types of sin. Disney, Apple. I mean, let's just be frank. Living in the United States, you are required to pay taxes and your tax money is being used to murder people. That's as plain as I can put that. So if you're going to stop shopping at certain places and you're going to stop using certain products, which is totally up to you, and that that is a conscious issue up to you. But then the moment you say, if you watch a Disney show or you own an Apple product or you go to this store, you are not a Christian. That's a problem. That's a problem because you are now stating, you are adding to Scripture where Scripture has not placed those demands and laws upon Christians. And we have to be careful to take conscious issues and make them law because that's, Mm -hmm. Paul speaks to this in Colossians that you, Mm -hmm. one, don't let anybody do it. And number two, don't do it. Word. Yeah. So I think if I was going to try to boil some of this down into, where I would stand as a pastor and as a Christian in thinking through these matters. Because voting choice is a matter of wisdom, I might think that a brother or sister in Christ is unwise in how he or she votes, but he or she is still my brother and sister, right? That's right. That's the thing. It is quite possible for Christians to have shared convictions 
not only about Jesus, but even about some of those other things that I described, to have shared convictions about abortion and sexuality and gender and racism and other issues of justice and caring for the needy and the poor and the oppressed. We can have shared convictions about those things, but disagree at the level of public policy and wisdom and implementation. And if we don't maintain that, and we're not that precise and that clear, then we begin to elevate a wisdom call to the level of being a primary issue of doctrine and theology. We have effectively said that how you vote is now functionally as important as what you make of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. How you vote is as important as to whether or not you believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. If we're saying that a vote is enough evidence to excommunicate somebody, like that is that is massive in its scope and it in its implications. And I think we need to be careful in how we talk about this. And we need to look through history and determine has anybody ever talked like this before? That's right. Yeah, I I think that the the church has lost. I mean, there are Unfortunately, when Justin and I say anything, this is just part of the nature of the culture we live in. People cannot hear Justin and I say it. They hear a pastor say it because that's the career path that we find ourselves in. Uh, Just like when our current president, uh, Mr. Donald Trump, when he says something, it's always as Mr. President because that's the office that he holds. He can't ever say something as Donald. He always has to. It's always Mr. President. And so I think sure. pastors need to be careful in how how and what they communicate, uh, that people don't confuse what Scripture says. I, I as a pastor, am a keeper of the gospel. As an Word. elder of a flock, these people are to submit to me underneath one authority, and that's God's authority, not governmental authority. So yeah. uh, I just, I think it'd be helpful here to understand where, where Paul, when Paul wrote to the Romans, the church at Rome, <laughs> this was not a Republican state that was governed by a morally ethic leader who was uh, trying to keep purity and sanity for all. If you know anything about Rome during the time that Romans was written, Nero was not a morally sound good man. And the things that he did to Christians were just obscene, disgusting. And I don't even want to mention some of them on the podcast in case children are listening. And this is what Paul says to them. There's not an overthrow of government. It wasn't a fight for liberty. It wasn't, you know, uh, freedom or else we die. Uh, (laughs) There's no such thing as as uh, Christians who are trying to transform a particular government so, so that God will be pleased and advanced his kingdom. God advances his kingdom through the church, not government. God has never advanced his kingdom through a governmental system. He has always advanced it through the church. And so let me just read to you real quick, Romans 13, it says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Now, do you understand what that would sound like to the Roman church? I mean, to understand what their government was doing to their brothers and sisters, it was very hard for them to read this, but this is what Paul says. He clarifies why they should do it. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. I mean, this is a this is Paul dealing with a very harsh, difficult circumstance. 
Because, and the thing is, the reason why he says this is that, listen, church, God is in control. Whether the government is out of control, God's not out of control. It doesn't change the mission and the purpose of the church. The mission and the purpose of the church is to advance the gospel and to care for one another. That's the purpose. Yeah. It is not to overthrow governments or to dictate what governments will do. Right. The United States is a unique situation in the history of Christianity. For the first time in the history of Christianity, Christians can rise up and actually speak their opinion on how things can be done. Right. And That's can weigh unique. in in the political process. That's right. Yeah, it's a very unique situation. No, no so yeah, I mean, I, I think we should caveat, you know, I'm about to make a few comments. Let me just kind of say this and then I'll circle back to what we're saying about the United States. So I think it's a legitimate question to survey the New Testament and ask, uh, and in particular, you know, Paul wrote the vast majority of the epistles. Like how much ink is spilled by Paul, you know, on on political and societal issues? I mean, practically none, other than some of the things that we've just been citing. Right? Seriously. Right. I mean, so submission the, the apostles, is the only thing he ever the, says. The only the thing he says is submission. do not spill. That's right. The apostles do not spill ink on political and societal issues. And yeah, Paul says, submit to your government. I mean, first Peter's got language about suffering unjustly, you know? So like right. when you yep. you bear up under it because we look to Christ who suffered unjustly in our place. Mm -hmm. So that's really how the apostles talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, but again, we do want to acknowledge that the United States, in terms of the representative republic and this constitutional order of government that we have, is unique you know, in the scope of world history in one sense, and it's also unique in, in the history of Christianity too. So we do, as citizens and Christians, have an opportunity and a civic responsibility to come and speak and to be able to cast a vote, to be able to give input as to how we are governed. And that is not something that you know, the, the Christians in the first century by and large would have been able to do. And so we acknowledge that. And it matters that we think through these things, but we think through them as citizens of the common kingdom who are at the same time citizens of the redemptive kingdom in heaven, right? And, and so when we cast a vote, what we're doing is we are using wisdom and discernment and conscience to make a call as to how justice can best be executed politically in our land and we are making a, a determination for the sake of the common kingdom in the United States. How, how can I best use my vote to be of the best benefit to my neighbor in America? And Christians with the same convictions, high level, may disagree at the level of wisdom, and they may disagree in the voting booth. One of the only other things that Paul does write, I, I should, I just, this popped into my brain. Paul does encourage us to pray for our leaders. So that's, that's something right. we can do. That and we that may means live peaceably we, with them. Peaceful and godly lives, right? That's and right. that that's instructive for us. And so whoever's in office, regardless of whether we voted for them or not, we should pray for them. We should pray right. that they would have wisdom. We should pray that they would make good and upright decisions. You know, and, right. and that does it matters not if I like the person or not. And uh, <sighs> and that's something that we can lead in well and even in our in our churches. Um that's right. I think maybe uh, Sort of a final thought for me, John, unless we end up throwing maybe two things, maybe two things. Okay. Left. My yeah. concern in some of this too is that when we talk and we act as though there's only one way for a Christian to vote, that there's this requirement. If you're going to be orthodox and if you're going to be faithful to Christ, this is what one must do. I fear that when we do that, the gospel is confused with a political party. And right. the church is effectively reduced to a political movement. That's right. And the church is way bigger than any one particular 
political movement, and the gospel transcends any consideration of politics, right? And and I want to contend for the primacy of the gospel, and I want to contend for the unity that all Christians have in Christ, regardless of how you vote if you're an American, and regardless of what country you live in. I mean, we, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we have Jesus in common. And I think all of that is confused, and a bunch of clutter is thrown on top of the gospel when we start making these very strong statements about voting patterns. And I don't really care how, how pious or upright they may sound or how courageous they may sound. They're unhelpful, I fear. Yeah. Yeah, I will say this statement. The biggest issue that I am seeing in the evangelical world in the United States is that we put more hope in the power of a government than we do in the issued word of God. Amen, brother. And the Amen. and the system by which God has instituted. God has said that is the power of the gospel that transforms hearts and minds, and it's through this yeah. gospel going through the administration of the church, not governments. Well, As a matter of fact, the church and the gospel has always exploded in moments of persecution. And somehow we think in our minds that God is going to crush the United States if we vote the wrong way, no matter who you mm-hmm. think your candidate is that's going to save the United States. Mm-hmm. And then God's work is then going to be thwarted because we as Christians made the wrong decision. I can tell you right now, God has already told us how to govern our lives and what our emphasis and focus should be. Our focus should be in on the administration of the work that he's given the church. This doesn't mean I'm, I am not caring for my country. Uh, Paul doesn't, dis, he doesn't disconnect the two. To love neighbor is to do what's right for the American people. And there's differing opinions on what is right for the American uh, uh, people. Yeah. And I'm okay to have those disagreements. Just like some people Word. think like you shouldn't eat grease and sugar. That's not good for you. And other people are like, it's fine. I don't, I'm not going to make that a theological debate because the Bible doesn't. Right. So I think you're right about how when Christians get so worked up over politics, it sort of uh, reveals how earthbound a lot of our theology yeah. is, you know? And that's that's a sadness that uh, in many many cases it seems that we are hoping in in God's word and even in Christ for this life in a way that perhaps we shouldn't and we should be more focused on you know the redemptive kingdom and and the life to come. Um, that's that's one observation. So I, I've actually got several more things to say. I lied a minute ago when I said I only had like two because more <laughs> things just keep popping up and I keep writing things on my whiteboard. I know we're going to land the plane here in a minute. You're one fine. thing keep that going. I need to do, along along with this kind of earthbound stuff that we're considering right now and, and not placing our hope right. in any political party or any government or anything like that, I, I take pains as a pastor not only to keep my own personal political opinions private, I... When it comes to my public ministry and any any comments that I might make about politics, oftentimes those comments are with the purpose of blowing up utopian notions that are right. red and blue. So it's good. I'm e- I'm an equal opportunity destroyer of utopian notions when it comes to <laughs> politics, because what I want for all of our people. Is, to, is for them to understand that it's fine to have strong opinions and sincere 
you know, disagreements with people about politics, but those things are at best secondary. And what really matters is that we know that the only thing that is going to right every wrong is, is the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and that only God can make all things new. Only God can restore all things to where we actually will have this eternal, sure, and lasting hope, this eternal paradise and peace with God and one another. And so it's good as a pastor to help your people understand that they need to hold loosely on the one hand to their political convictions and not put their hope and trust in something that can never deliver and can never save. And uh, right. yeah, I mean, that's, that's important to me, John. And then yeah. this is the last thing that I've got written down. And, and we'll see what else you have to throw out here. Uh, I know we're approaching about 30 minutes, which is where we wanted to keep this combo to. In my own congregation, my hope and my prayer is that the posture of our people toward a person who voted differently than them would be one of charity and humility. And I, I pray that the conversation would go something like this. Okay, you voted differently than I did in the election. Talk with me about why you voted the way you voted. And now, if in that conversation, convictions that are clearly at odd with Scripture are uncovered, okay, we can talk about that and we can deal with that because we should. If, if somebody's advocating for something that is contra-Bible and they're like, well, yeah, I voted this way because I think this is a good thing. It's like, okay, well, if Scripture says that's bad and you think it's good, then we need to reconcile that. We can talk about that. Right. Right. But if there's disagreement, or excuse me, if there's agreement in that conversation, like tell me why you voted the way you did. I'm assuming good motivations in you, brother. I'm assuming good motivations in you, sister. Tell me why you voted the way you voted. If there's agreement at the level of conviction and disagreement as to how to vote, we move forward in love and unity in Christ. Mm -hmm. And we may agree to disagree about political matters. And that's okay. You know, that's what I would want in my own congregation rather than it being this situation where, yeah, if you didn't vote the way that I did, then, then I, I'm not so quite, I'm not quite sure that you're even in Christ at all. You know? <laughs> yeah. This, it's really sad. I think the divide that happens within the Christian community, uh, I'm, uh, it breaks my heart to see people make statements, uh, to put a lot of faith in a system that the Bible just never asks us to put faith in. We have never been asked to put our faith in a governmental system. We've been told to submit to it and that God's the one that's in charge of it. But you just don't see in Scripture where you're encouraged. Listen, <laughs> the United States of America is not Israel, and we are not a theocratic no. nation. We are not no. underneath the governance of God. Uh, we're gonna. Right. I mean, we're probably gonna need to do a podcast on theonomy soon. But we we don't. Yeah. We are not underneath the laws of God as a nation. Now, right. I, I, I am always thankful when our country does uphold the moral values Amen. that we do. Yeah, the and moral if, if they give me the sure. opportunity, they give me the opportunity to put a vote in to hold to those laws, man, I'm going to put my vote in. Uh, but listen, when I say abortion is sin, that's not a political statement. That's a biblical statement. That's when a I say homosexuality statement. or all sexual deviance, sex before marriage, sex, any sexual sin, that's not a political statement. <laughs> that is a biblical. But here's the one thing that you will not hear Justin and I do. Our goal is not to shape the political values of mm -hmm. our congregants. The, the mission that's been handed to us is to 
preach Christ and him crucified from all of Scripture and to lead people to rest in Jesus Christ, not vote one political party. And churches who do this, it's it breaks my heart. I'm not angry with them. I'm not upset. I'm just, I'm, I'm heartbroken because people are not finding rest weekly. They're finding unrest. Right. They're putting so much hope in a government where the hope I'm telling you, the United States has not been around long and it may not be around much longer. And guess what? God is still accomplishing his mission to save the elect. God is in control of his mission. And we are absolutely, as pastors, teaching our people to view the world through the lens of scripture and the gospel. Amen. That's right. Absolutely. And again, when it's a clear moral issue from scripture, we preach it and herald it unashamedly. Like we've already been saying. There are a number of things Mm -hmm. that we can be very clear about at the level of conviction that are based on biblical truth, that abortion and sexual deviancy are sin, that racism is from hell, you know, that, that marginalizing the weak and the needy and the poor is terrible and it's wrong. I mean, so we can all agree on those matters and we, we share those convictions. And most importantly, we agree on Christ. We may disagree as to how best to use our vote as citizens of the United States. But in the church, we never disagree about Jesus. That's right. right? And we don't ever disagree about our need of Christ. That's right. And, and that's, that's the main thing. And, and right. I, would, I would stake my ministry on that. And it's not, John and I are not saying, oh, well, you know, we're just going to preach Jesus and, and everything else is insignificant. No, no. There are more than no, two No, because if you're preaching our, Jesus— it will influence the way you think about these things. Absolutely. And there are more than two speeds in our gearbox, too. There's more than essential right. and irrelevant. You know, there's a spectrum of importance here. But you you keep the main things the main things, and then you preach biblical truth and moral truth from, from Scripture. And then when it comes to a wisdom decision and exercise in prudence, then we, we may very well think our brothers and sisters are unwise, but we need to be careful about throwing around the S word sin. That's right. You know, when we say that somebody is necessarily in sin for a wisdom decision they've made, we need to have a very, excuse, a very straight line that we can draw from scripture to our statement and proclamation that you're in sin. That's right. And, and that's where, again, I think nuance and thoughtfulness, John is required because it's easy for me to look at somebody and say, if you are pro abortion, that's sin. If you are yeah. if you are for the marginalization of the poor and and you are for the marginalization of minorities, that's sin, right? I can say that from Scripture, but then I yeah. can't draw such a straight line from Scripture to the voting booth because I realize that wisdom has to be exercised in making that judgment call on who to vote for. And it's not as, let's just put it this way. It's just yeah. not as black and white as everybody wants to make it. It's and not. So when someone says, well, then it's how not. should I vote? How should I vote? And our answer to this is, listen, you use all of what scripture has given you, and this is a wisdom issue, and you do the best you can and try not to violate your conscience and trust in the sufficiency of Christ and his sovereignty. And I would say stay out of the political debates because they are just not yeah. helpful. Exercise. <laughs> Exercise your civic responsibility, use discernment, view things through the lens of Scripture, vote your conscience, love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? That's right. Like that's, do not do not divide your church. 
Paul says, no. make every eff- make every effort to extol gentleness, patience, and, me- and meekness with the bond of unity in the, in the Christ. And, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. the peace of the gospel is not and unity is not being seen in this in this scene, and, and it's sad and heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, brother, that's about so, that's it, it for me. That's all I got. I mean, yeah, me yeah, too. I, there's, obviously, we could, we could riff on this stuff for longer, but I think we've communicated yeah. the main things we want to communicate. And, yeah. you know, don't misunderstand anything that we're saying to, to mean, like I said from the jump, that we don't think it matters how you vote um, or that, you know, all votes are morally equivalent. That's not what we're saying. That's right. But uh, I yeah. trust we've been clear enough about what matters most and the unity that we have in Christ and, and how yep. it's not as black and white as people want to make it. Um, yeah. So exercise charity and love and humility in the way that you have conversations with brothers and sisters in Christ about political matters and about all things. And yeah, that's uh, good. keep pointing one another well, to Christ. Yeah. Amen. Well, if you want to read Justin's article, it'll be a, a lot shorter than this. If you wanted to share it with someone, you can go to theocast.org and the article will be there. Word. You'll be able to read that. And um, thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. Thank you.